0: When I was in England, I experimented with marijuana a time or two and I didn't like it and didn't inhale and never tried it again.
1: To Mad Hat Economics. My name is Roberto Figari, and today I have with me Master PhD candidate Jeff Swigert, <laughs> David Just, in house economist. Hello. And Andrew Lisod, a master student here at Cornell. Hi, hi. And today we're going to talk about marijuana. What are the implications of legalizing marijuana? Should we legalize it? And Jeff is going to be the lead in this in this topic. He has been doing interesting research in this topic. And can you tell us a little bit about your inspiration, motivation behind going all in in this research in marijuana? Uh,
2: yeah, so it wasn't, I guess, intentional. I didn't want to, I guess, label myself as the <laughs> grad student who's studying weed. Because <laughs> I think there's a lot... Maybe a negative conversation associated (laughs) with studying weed in grad school. Um, Enough people probably do that on their own. Uh, No, so the inspiration, it actually came from, uh, like a lot of my ideas for research, actually, from my wife. So we were in the car, I think, listening to uh, radio about the news where Colorado legalized general use uh, of marijuana. And thought occurred to Mikkel that wow, I bet they're going to start, you know, getting the munchies. It's probably a good time to invest in like um, vending or something like yeah, that. Doritos. Uh, Doritos or Taco Bell or something <laughs> like that. And so it's like, wow, that's interesting. So automatically as an economist, you start thinking, well, yeah, this is the introduction of this substances. Right. you know, you're going to increase supply, you'll probably get the price drop. And how is this going to change outcomes? How What spillover effects are there going to be? And uh, I initially thought, well, yeah, this munchies effect could be a thing. And so why not look at weight? Why not look at uh, physical activity and uh, kind of other health outcomes? So that was, that was the original, like, motivation. As far as inspiration, uh, in general, I'm really interested in all the opportunities the econ gives us in general, uh, to explore questions that we wouldn't be able to necessarily, or at least David, I don't think you would allow me in the food and brand lab to, uh, randomize, uh, treatment to, uh, marijuana or not. Yeah. I'd (laughs) I'd have a problem with that. (laughs) For this particular set of questions, like we had to go outside the uh, controlled lab, uh, and look for a natural experiment. And fortunately the United States is pretty much this Gigantic uh, democratic laboratory where we've got you know depending on a vote, we've got the coin flip uh, randomization or semi-randomization and uh, these policies kind of determine, you know whether things are controlled or not or whether something is legalized or not, and so I guess the inspiring part of that is that yeah econ allows us to use kind of statistical methods to answer wild questions like this that you wouldn't be able to get past IRB.
1: What were your hypotheses going into this?
2: Oh, I was I was sure that we would find uh, a Munchies effect, like a big, um, you know, increase in the you know in the caloric intake, and that
1: you BMI would increase. Yeah, BMI would
0: increase. You'd get a increase in obesity. Colorado is is uh, famous of late for being the the thinnest and healthiest state (laughs) in in the union. Is is. now now with the introduction of marijuana, are they, are they on their way to, uh, to Mississippi and Alabama? Or is it... You know, well,
2: it all critically comes down to, I guess, what the first of our challenges were, which is when we ran this, we found the opposite direction effect. And, the, and so this was like, well, what's going on, right? Uh, my, my main mechanism is dominated by something. And uh, the key to the, your question is, well, do you drink? Uh, Do you drink alcohol? Mm. So alcohol is the key, actually, piece. And actually, we were really debating whether we should, you know, put alcohol as the lead piece in the, in the (laughs) title because I think more is going on there in terms of uh, detrimental effects, anyway. And so, um, yeah, uh, turns out that there's a substitution away from alcohol in response to these laws. Mm. People have an alternative on the weekends, and so there's and we don't, we don't have the data. This is anecdotal, but I would love to see if it's, you know, kind of changing culture on the weekends. Like if there's Mm -hmm. fewer keggers that are being held and more, all right, let's hang out and get high. Um, so yeah, I guess that's the, one of the key takeaways of this is that, uh, you know, it's not necessarily that marijuana is good. I would never actually say that. I mean, marijuana is a substance. It's got psychoactive ingredients. Um, if you're sick, if, for instance, my grandma, the closest I've gotten to <laughs> marijuana, for the record, I have not smoked marijuana, but uh, I did have it in my fridge for a while when my grandma was living with us uh, for cancer treatment, Sure, mm-hmm. part of her cachexia, it's, uh, which is the wasting syndrome that has to do with uh, that a lot of people with cancer get. Um, uh, to fight that, they would prescribe the Marinol, which is the kind of um, non-smoked uh, version of marijuana. And it's an appetite stimulant. Uh, this is another reason why I went into thinking, you know, thinking, oh, wow, this marijuana stimulates appetite, makes things more, uh, enhances per, uh, kind of perceived tastes and things like that.
0: So, so mm-hmm. was this experience with your grandmother, was that one of the, I mean, so you gave us some background on the inspiration, but is did, did that form some sort of basis for your knowledge of marijuana? I mean, are, sure. you, are you a marijuana expert?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Uh, You know, it depends on what your, uh, definition of expert is. Uh, if that means, have I read 30 papers on marijuana? Yeah, I definitely have read 30 (laughs) papers on marijuana. Um, in terms of like institutional or actually practical expertise, uh, I rely on the guy I sat next to on a four hour plane ride who grew marijuana. (laughs) Um, and also, yeah, like you say, uh, my limited, uh, experience with, in, in medicine, um, with, with my grandmother's experience and also my brother who, um, you know, regularly prescribes pain meds. He's an intern, internist. And he, he and other doctors, one of their universal laments is, man, I wish we didn't have to prescribe such like heavy duty mm-hmm. uh, painkillers. I wish something else were on the menu at least. And so, I mean, from an economist's point of view, we're agnostic. Like we don't say whether something is good or bad. Um, but I think all economists will tell you if you increase the choice set, there's not much, uh, you know, increase the menu of things that a doctor has at their disposal. You, you're probably not going to disturb welfare.
1: What are the implications of this? Because you're saying that you went in this thinking that people were going to go fat get fatter, get larger, and that's not what you're seeing, correct? <laughs> right. Um, so, so what other things that you, do you see? You're seeing the substitution effect. Maybe people are not drinking that much. They are probably not binge drinking, but then they might be smoking today. Well, so yeah. so what so, does that mean? Like, I, I assume mean, that the drunk driving uh, rates decreased significantly.
2: Yeah, so my, uh, my co-author on this, uh, Josebia, he and others, Dan Reese and... Um, uh, Anderson mark is it Mark Anderson uh, Mike Anderson out of Montana they have research actually the documents that the number of alcohol related fatalities drops in response to wow. these medical marijuana laws okay. uh,
1: so it's very plausible that
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, well I mean it's it's actually documented <laughs> it's that question has been answered yeah. Uh, that
1: yeah these these drop in response. and what about violence like within families
2: um that's something that I haven't seen like I haven't seen uh, research that actually goes into that mainly that's a, we call these fundamentally unanswerable questions, FAQs. The data is not, data is not yeah. good uh-huh. for, um, how, I mean, you can look at police records and stuff right. like that. Um, or not police records, but, uh, there's a database that does have like, uh, hospitalizations and how they code up the hospitalization, stuff like that. But it's really sparse and, uh, yeah. So I've, I haven't seen anything like that.
1: What was your action plan for like, just looking at the data?
2: Right. So, uh, Burfus, uh, Burfus. Uh, Burfus is the uh, <laughs> data set we use. It's the Behavioral Risk Factor Surveillance System. Wow. And the Centers for Disease Control puts that out. And they've been doing it in an improving manner, (laughs) uh, since the 1990s, uh, early 1990s. And, uh, I mean, it's changed over time, but pretty much they administer this phone survey across the 50 states. Um, not all states participated, not all states did it the same way. Um, but for a core set of questions, which include kind of the key health variables, like, uh, body mass index, um, and, uh, drinking behavior, uh, smoking behavior, things like that. They did, uh, they did keep these consistently. And so the nice thing is that we have this time series from 1990 to 2012 is the window we looked at. And the, these 23 States that have marijuana policies, they kind of hit, um, all along, you know, throughout the 96 to, uh, present, um, Period. So mm-hmm. there were a couple states. So we ended up using 19 based on the fact that three had just passed them. So there was no post period uh, mm-hmm. for us to look at kind of the after effects. But uh, this kind of spacing throughout time allows us to control for a lot of factors so that we can rule out like just secular trends, for instance, in marijuana use and stuff like that. And we can really isolate the effect of the, the marijuana policy itself and also the, the geographic variation. So yeah, this, the fact that these policies are spread across space allows us to kind of isolate isolate the effects better so, um did i answer your question i don't know actually i don't, I don't
1: no, know no, definitely <laughs> so 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 you're a health economist as well as a behavioral economist um now now that you're kind of analyzing the, the health effects of marijuana um just and, and just focusing in one in this one dimension health do you think it would be an interesting idea or maybe even a good idea um to maybe legalize it
2: so legalization like you say affects all aspects or all dimensions right um I mean, as far as medical marijuana laws, Uh where there's some kind of regulation and the the presumed channel through which it's coming is through, you know, prescription. I mean, in some Mm -hmm. states, that's basically any doctor will have a prescription. But in others, you have to actually get like two health professionals to sign off and it's more regulated. So I I think uh, marijuana is medicine. I think legalization makes sense in some senses, but it does have ramifications across the board. And that's the interesting thing is that we we see that health, which you wouldn't really... Health of the general population as well. We're not looking just at among users, by the way. This is just the population in general, there's this effect, meaning that usage in general was uh, very much issued. And that that affects so many uh, many factors. I'm very hesitant. For instance, cognitive outcomes. Without looking at cognitive outcomes among the, the young and... And also the gate, possible gateway effect. Yeah, I would be very been, hesitant. Yeah.
0: There's just been a couple of studies hit this last week talking about the long term cognitive effects and and uh, impacts oh, really? on, on holding a job and and other things like that. And I don't know. I I haven't talked to the people who ran, ran those studies, so I don't know exactly how valid they are. But uh, right. So there's definitely there's reasons
2: to, to put on the brakes uh, before like saying yes. This is, this is just a great uh, great Everything. thing for everybody. I mean. Yes, it, it uh, decreases. Well, our, we do some back of the envelope calculations, saying that you save, you know, on the order of fifty eight to one hundred and something, you know, one hundred and thirty dollars or something in per person obesity related medical expenses. But a lot wow. of that's being driven by the very far tail. And heavy drinkers, right? So, really?
0: So, it's, so it's, it's the really heavy drinkers that are the problem that this is solving. That this is solving. This is solving. So, so I guess
2: the question is marijuana is actually solving another problem. Uh-huh. The other question is like, I guess the main question is we've assumed that
0: alcohol is just fine to have in our society <laughs> widespread, right? Like, yeah, that, that was sort of my, the question I had is, is listening to this is we're sitting here and we've got a status quo where alcohol is legal and marijuana isn't. Yeah, yeah. If everything's on the table, yeah. right, and you had the possibility of nothing's legal, alcohol is legal without <laughs> marijuana, marijuana is legal without alcohol, everything's legal, what what does this say? Well, it, I mean, in terms of health. I think
2: it clearly says that we by assuming that alcohol is innocuous, I think we've uh, settled on uh, higher obesity rates than we would otherwise have. in fact, since this is being driven by uh, alcohol you know consumption, these effects, I think we've put ourselves basically on a trajectory based on alcohol consumption especially and by alcohol consumption, I don't mean moderate use, I mean like the heavy users. Um, yeah, uh, So we defined binge drinking, well, it's generally defined as over five drinks per sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's people who are drinking, like, <laughs> a lot more than that. And uh, and it's really bad for their health. And the expenses that are associated with it are just astronom- astronomical. So, I mean, yeah, if you can cut down by offering everything, which is what we're now seeing is yeah. the third alternative that you mentioned. We don't know what it would be like if we, you know, if prohib- prohibition stood for longer we don't have the data to say it uh to to see it but uh our,
0: our last experiment with
2: it didn't go well it didn't go well right so there's other reasons so yeah like um but i guess it's uh you know the i think the biggest question for i guess betterment of mankind yeah, and yeah. as you as you mentioned is, is like we should question our assumptions about all the stuff that we allow in our society or at least our kind of uh, assuming it yeah. is harmless, and I think that alcohol is is a lot more harmful than we think.
0: And and so, other papers that have been done on this, and I'm now asking you about other people's research. Mm. So sorry, <laughs> um, but other papers that have been done on this, looking at, at car accidents and other things like that, it, they're finding essentially the same sort of trade off. Are they not? Yeah. That mm, that sure. uh, marijuana has a lot of benefits. Why? Because alcohol is out there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's right, but the weird thing, is, so there is a a study that was done in Europe that had really good, um, kind of a good natural experiment uh, set up to answer this. Uh, The cognitive outcomes, they found actually evidence that marijuana hurt the cognitive outcomes. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you're thinking that the same, but this was, this was among, I think it was uh, university students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And... And so, yeah, for whatever purpose or for whatever reason, um, it, doesn't look, it doesn't look like alcohol is having the same kind of detrimental effect. Or maybe the fact is we're observing a population of binge drinkers that, that's different or something. Could be drinking behavior in Europe is much different. In fact, that's actually what European it's, friends have told me right. uh, is that binge drinking isn't as much of a thing in Europe because from the time you're a kid, you you're, know, allowed. you're allowed to have like a glass yeah. of wine or something yeah. like that.
1: So then would that, you know, pose the question that should we lower the drinking age to decrease overall <laughs> consumption? Yeah, so, the ML,
2: so that's actually a, there's an interesting follow-up question that I've thought about it, to look at, you know, to isolate what is the, the exact substitution effect. And what you could do is you could look at the minimum legal drinking age laws. And there you know a lot of uh, scholars have done the re- regression discontinuity kind of design looking right around the 21 cutoff. <laughs> and you could compare medical marijuana states, those cutoffs to uh, non uh, medical marijuana states. And you could see, all right, how much did this change? The benefits of not being allowed to drink.
0: (laughs) Very good, very good. I'm just wondering because a podcast like this, we say uh, regression discontinuity. I'm wondering how many people we just lost. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) Yes, I probably should focus on looking, looking around the age of (laughs) twenty one. Okay, so sort of the. What happens to people who are under 21 and aren't affected by the drinking... Well, are are affected by the drinking law, but not... There's no... You know, the same marijuana restriction versus above 21 where they're... Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it's not to say that people can't get alcohol, obviously, unless they're 21. It's just saying... It's
0: a different
1: cost. Yeah. Yeah, different hassle. I guess. It's different because the government is saying, you know, it's okay for you now to do this. And then sometimes that breaks down barriers in people's purchasing decisions. Yeah. Right.
2: And that actually raises a, a point, which is not all medical marijuana laws or marijuana laws in general are created equal. In fact, each one is a little bit different. A lot of the language in, their, you know, in, the, in the policies by state mm. um, will be similar. For the medical side, but for the general use, I mean, those actually you should treat totally differently because that's general use and you're actually sending a different message. Uh, In fact, there's some work that's been done that medical marijuana laws, people tend to think of it as more as medicine. And so you get actually adoption among older people, you know, as pain as a pain medication. Medication, uh, whereas general use—I mean—that's it's a party drug. So mm-hmm. you're sending kind of a different norming message So, so, with
1: so your... framing matters, right? That's yeah, what you're framing saying. Framing matters. matters, matters.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm also sort of interested in the the probably, So you mentioned the the sort of cognitive results studies. Having been part of academia, I know that you know alcohol is like the drug of choice among uh, among PhDs. You don't go to any. Yeah. social event with PhDs without having some people who are just completely smashed drunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's sort of obnoxious, but that's that's what it is. Um, but I, I, I wonder though, you know, what is the intersection of people who are using both of these things where they are available? Are these different populations? Is it, and you're seeing pretty good substitution among those who are heavy drinkers. Mm-hmm. Is there the same substitution among those who are light drinkers? I mean, or are, is there some group who's Who is putting on weight when marijuana is legalized, but they're sort of outweighed by the other group out in the tail? We saw that uh, the likelihood
2: of drinking at all did go down, uh, but just not as much. It seemed like the main effect was driven through the people who were out in the tail, especially for the weight, like the second stage effect, I guess. But you're right, like the culture, the university culture, we really should ask this question in the U.S. if we want to know about the cognitive thing. So, I mean, that... That is actually a follow-up question for this: Is what is the effect on cognitive outcomes been in the U.S. We don't have as good data of uh, data in the U.S. Um, for education on the individual level, but at least state by state, there's NAEP and things like that. And I think we should pursue it with what we've got. But yeah, I think I think you're right. The drinking culture here. In fact, at Cornell we ran a natural experiment uh, a while ago. If you remember Slope Day, oh, yeah. when they uh, they used to have they used to not really enforce. Some as strictly the minimum
0: age kind of for, for drinking for drinking yeah um, so is slope day for those who don't know it's it's a big celebration right around graduation uh, time yeah a lot of bands and a lot of alcohol yeah
2: a lot of bands a lot of <laughs> alcohol but it used to be apparently that it was just uh, it was moderate alcohol use but now that there's these that they've tightened up on the control of alcohol. It turns out that uh, students are getting pre-drunk, right? So they'll drink hard liquors in their dorms, mm. and then they'll come to Day, and they're totally hammered because they couldn't get access uh, to it there. So it was kind of one of these kind of the perverse, perverse effect of a policy uh, kind of thing. And so it would be interesting to see what would happen if marijuana were at least an option. Among those who are using alcohol like that, yeah. it could presumably hurt the outcomes, though, for a larger proportion of people who
0: are not abusing alcohol. This is why a couple of years ago, it's been, he's not here anymore, but our our president came out and was advocating for lowering the drinking age so that he wouldn't have to police drinking because because of this perverse effect from policing, mm. I, and I'm I guessing. So from the the results of your study, you're saying, well, maybe it's not so much the drinking age as it is what other options are available. Possibly. I mean, it really—people using alcohol that much,
2: you know, at that high of a level— They've got an issue. And so maybe there is a case for kind of behaviorally efficient harm reduction if you offer an alternative. Especially Uh, when
1: you're like a freshman and sophomore. That's like the thing to do is to drink the hard alcohol and you're, you know, pre-gaming and then going out. But I guess with even this,
2: we should add the caveat, uh, the research David mentioned, we'd want to know if there are long-term outcomes. This is a substance with psychoactive ingredients. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And if you're changing brain chemistry, I'm really hesitant to say, we should try this out on college
1: students, you know, so... So, we need to wrap up, right? Uh, I don't know. What do you think are the three biggest implications of this? What three do you biggest found? implications. Like three, your three big findings or three big like, insights. Maybe insights is better than findings. Yeah.
2: Uh, insights are that um, well, one, well, these policies have spillover effects into areas that we wouldn't think they, uh, you know, when evaluating whether to pass the policy, for instance. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nobody mentioned obesity or, uh, you know, physical activity, right. or the elderly, or anything like that. And two uh, is that there's interactions, interesting interactions between substances. And so if you look at the environment, you know, is this a good policy? Well, it depends.
0: Does your population have a lot of drinkers? Then maybe it could. in, In other words, we shouldn't just be looking at other countries and saying, well... These guys have this drug legal and this and, and yeah. so and they're fine. So we should do this. We need to look at the whole cocktail of, of drugs that they have available.
1: Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. What is the environment like in terms of substances and people's and norms? Because like you say, drinking norms here may not be drinking norms elsewhere. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So context matters. That's, context that's, matters. that's a big implication,
1: right? Yeah. Oh, so so very well. Okay, thank you for joining us for Mad Hat Economics and hopefully you join us next time. I'm afraid so. You're entirely bonkers, but I'll tell you a secret. All the best people are.